Hello everyone, I hope you had a good week, I hope you had some fun. Me personally, I do. Uh, I, I did enjoy myself, I had a few days off, like I said, my vacation is over since, well, this weekend actually, but I was uh, laying back a little bit, you know, thinking about, a oh, little microphone here, I'm gonna shove this towards my face. I was thinking about um, movies and, you know, all the things that I kind of enjoy in that regard. I wanted to talk to you today about uh, someone specific and a movie that I really enjoy. Uh, I, I think I briefly mentioned the movie in, in a different podcast a while ago, maybe a few months ago. And I'll come to that in a second. I just wanted to mention that I had an interesting night yesterday. I had a, a guest here, um, an old friend of mine, which you know I'm kind of affiliated with in more than just one way, if you know what I mean. And we kind of celebrated the fact that my home theater system seems to work just fine, even though it's heavily improvised, of course, <laughs> with a my cheap silver screen, okay, and, and that uh, ViewSonic projector that I have. Um, we watched movies like uh, the old horror film The Descent from 2008, I believe, where a bunch of girls, or let's say women, explore an unknown cave, and they encounter these, these human-like creatures uh, which are blind and have apparently a, a poor sense of smell, and um, they're just living down there in, in their own, uh, like wolves, underground. Uh, a very interesting, bizarre community of these creatures just, you know, uh, hunting their prey, any kind of prey, humans and animals alike. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, it's really a uh, tremendously well-done film. I can't recall the uh, director, but if you can, the movie title is The Descent watch it. It's really brilliant. The first half of the movie is kind of slow, but the second half of the movie is brutal and just merciless. It's, it's, it's really astonishing, especially uh, the uh, DP did a very good job, the director of, of photography. The lighting, the atmosphere uh, underground in those caves, everything shot beautifully. Just It's something to look out for. Other movies we try to watch uh, was Hostel, part one, but we, we were not really that keen on the movie. I personally don't like Hostel, uh, sorry, Hostel one, two, or three. I think these movies suck in general. They're just not really well done. They are violent, of course, but the whole premise and the storyline is just it's stupid and idiotic. It, it's badly written and partially badly performed. I, I don't know why these movies really got so much fame. So we skipped those and uh, we watched instead the, the Mist from, you know, that Stephen King movie. I forgot the year when it came out. Well, it could be that I'm mistaken, though. It could be that The Mist was from 2008 and The Descent a little bit sooner even. I'm not quite sure. But that Stephen King movie is also pretty well done with this uh, religious fanatic woman and all that, and the, the creatures, uh, very 
unsettling ending of a film. I really enjoyed that just the same. Really cool film. And overall, I just had a very relaxing weekend. I didn't do much. I'm not very productive at the moment. I know I should do something. I should work. I'm just tired. I really am. The cold is getting in here, which I start to enjoy a little bit. I was heating up my fireplace, just, you know, drinking a beer or whiskey or wine while listening to some great music or watching a film. That's really relaxing. For me personally, that's luxury. Yeah. Okay, so much for that. So... <laughs> Uh, I should get back to my studies. I know, I know. I'm so lazy. Sue me, I'm lazy. Hmm. So before I do anything else tonight, if I do anything at all, um, I am uh, willing or more happy, let's say, to talk about one of my absolute favorite movies. And in general, the genre that this uh, kind of encompasses is uh, George Romero's Dead Films. Um, personally, I think that George Romero never, in all these years, sadly, of course, he died a couple of years ago, I, w I had a chance once to meet the guy in a, in, a, in a German town, from my perspective, sadly, like pretty far away, but still doable, but I had no time nor the money to attend to a horror film convention where he was the special guest and I would have loved to buy a VIP ticket or something like that just to spend some private time with the guy and talk to him about his his visions and how he got to, in, into the movie business or his hobbies, anything like that. Uh, unfortunately, that was a chance I kind of gave away. Um, I really, um, I envy anyone who actually met the man. I can only assume how it was to, to work with him or just spending time with him. On these horror film conventions, however, I did meet a couple of actors from George Romero's movies. One was briefly Ken Foree, who played the, the hero in Dawn of the Dead. Um, in case you don't know who that is, it's the Afro-American guy from, from the, the movie. Um, a very fine man, very charming, and I just congratulated him to all the work he did. I just, I had a brief moment to talk to him, but that was it. I was very kind, because why should I be mean to the guy? I mean, he's really cool. So, you know, that was one of those events. I talked a little longer to David Emge, who played the Flyboy, the, the pilot of in, in, in Dawn of the Dead. Um, I think that was the most pleasant conversation I've ever had on these conventions. And I haven't seen uh, a lot of these conventions. I haven't attended many. But um, those I did, I had very positive experiences. I also met uh, Kane Hodder, who you know played Jason Voorhees in, in, in a few of his movies. Uh, Kane is awesome. Absolutely awesome. There's, he, he knows how to entertain people. He loves the, the, the whole showmanship. Of his of his persona and everything that he he stands for and how he just you know he's he's, he's just cool he, everything he does truly professional guy I do admire him a lot but um, David Emge was really uh, wonderful to talk to we talked a little bit about you know George's style of working but I remember mostly that I talked to him about you know this conversation was like twenty years ago 
So he was, uh, I'm not sure if he's still alive. I haven't checked. Um, I don't know. I hope he does. He, I hope he is. He's doing, doing well. But he was, he was rather old. I think uh, early 60s when I, oh, dare I say that's old. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I'm on my way getting there, man. Well, anyway, um, he just, he told me that he had enough of that, that acting experience. He made those movies back then. Uh, he made, I think he shot a different movie as well, but he's of course mostly known for Dawn of the Dead, which he did tremendously well. And I think I, I also told him that his acting, the way he executed that death scene where he becomes the zombie and gets shot in the head is the the shit. It's just the shit of all these execution scenes I've ever seen. He played it so good. You know, it's just, that is chef's kiss. And I really just... I poured it out to him and said, that's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in acting, especially about dying. So that was um, just, at least for me as a fan, as, as a nerd of, of that genre, is still a very memorable scene, especially when he walks out of that, that elevator, you know, when, when he finally died and then came back to life as an undead, is, uh, is also just well acted, well played out, really beautifully done. And uh, he was very like, very kind to talk to. He told me that he left the movie business for good because he felt it just wasn't for him. He, well, he wanted to do other things instead and be more the family guy. You know, that, that was actually quite, quite decent, <laughs> the conversation. Really cool guy. I do remember uh, that very well. I also met uh, Joe Pilato who unfortunately passed away, I think, this year when he had his 70, 70th birthday. So that's a shame. But I did meet him when he was rather in a good condition, I would say. He did look a bit sick, a bit um, exhausted maybe, a bit ill. But he was all there, man. He was completely... Um, he was obsessed, I think, with the, with the fact that he could entertain people. Even though he's not that well known, he's like you know, like most B movie actors. I mean, let's face it, you make these movies, only diehard fans know these guys, and that's it. You know, just that's unfortunately the real truth behind all of these 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 acting careers. You know, if if Robert England didn't have so much uh, success with his nightmare nightmare movies, who knows would he what he would be doing now? You know, he'd probably be a forgotten actor, I suppose. He's really lucky to be where he is now with his reputation and all the, the experience that he could collect after the Nightmare movies. So, um, you know, looking at guys like Joe Pilato, I'm not quite sure what happened to him. He played Captain Rhodes in Day of the Dead. He played it tremendously good, in my opinion. Never, I don't think there was much overacting on his part. He was he he played this 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 fanatical captain who lost control over his his decision making his rational uh, rational thought. There was no decent human being left in, in this in this uh, dead universe, which he played in, or what he tried to portray anyway. And it's um, he's very over the top. This guy, or he was, yeah, he, he was. But it was fun to talk to. <laughs> the swearing and the screaming of this guy, I will never forget that. 
You know, I, I told Joe Pilato actually when I was standing in front of his, his table, you know, where you could actually get autographs signed and all that crap. And he, he loved talking because not that many people who came to the convention mostly were, of course, Germans. They had no really, no real information or knowledge about this guy, nor the movies. I think the Romero movies were not that successful in Germany to, to begin with, at least not Day of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead was. Night of Living Dead was probably the most memorable horror film of all time, I guess. But, you know, Day of the Dead was... Some people declared the movie to be a train wreck. Others said, well, it's a missed opportunity. There was so much potential in this film and no, uh, nothing really worked out, which I heavily disagree with. I think, which is reason today why I want to talk about it, Day of the Dead is my absolute number one favorite zombie movie of all time. And I'm not kidding here. I've seen a lot. I've seen also trash movies, which, you know, just... I, you can't get drunk enough to watch this shit. People who think they want to make a homage to George Romero, they, you know, they, they get a cheap camera, they get their friends to do the, the zombie walk, the makeup and all that crap. And in the end, the movie is just not uh, tolerable. You, can, you, can't, you can't sit through any of these films. They are too bad. Really, really too bad. And I think most people don't even put any effort into make, making these films because zombie movies seem to be, on first glance anyway, easy and cheap, creatable movies. Which is a wrong assessment, really. It's, it's, look, George had a tremendous amount of luck as well when he did the first Night of Living Dead film. I think we all know that there was enough research being done. There were many interviews and, and George was, he had, he went to this project, creating it at the right time, the right place. And he, he didn't cash in very well on the film, but he did get um, uh, heavily, you know, uh, he'd get positive feedback. He got positive reviews. He was, he was cheered for it and celebrated for being this this uh, this new guy in the horror film business, creating a completely different kind of universe where the evil is not really one person or a specific character. The evil is just everywhere as a phenomenon, which is a brilliant concept. And I think if if he would have done the movie five years before that or five years later, it would have probably bombed. I guess. That moment in time where when he made that film was exactly the right moment. But like I said, it didn't cash in very well. I think he got screwed over. Um, the royalties just went to other places. The movie has no copyright to this day. At least I'm pretty sure about this. this the, the movie, The Night of Living Dead, can be copied and produced and sold by anyone. It has no copyright. You can do whatever you want with the film. I think you can look that up and find the information too. It's, it should be, it's, it's like public domain now. It's unbelievable. One of the greatest films ever becomes public domain and he didn't make a dime later on when that movie was, was you know, resold, reproduced, got its, I don't know, 30th anniversary editions and Blu-ray and all that crap. I mean, I mean he should have, you know, he should have been paid like a king afterwards and I think he never got anything which is a shame I mean I'm sure he could have done something with it or maybe finance even new movies with it 
or at least, you know, for the sake of the argument, uh, provide more for his family, which I think he did anyway, but still, I mean, you know, he deserved the cash for fuck's sake. It's his film. So give him a break, okay? And, um, well, Dawn of the Dead was a massive success. It was worldwide considered to be an incredible, violent, brutal phenomenon because no one has ever seen something like this before. Um, the interesting thing was that the violence in this movie became almost normal, like it, it was supposed to numb you down from the, the shock effect. Other movies were always trying to, you know, to, to get you on the edge of your seat, like the burning or vampire movies and stuff like that, even, you know, Nightmare and, and Friday the 13th movies, Halloween. But Dawn of the Dead never did something like that. I think all dead movies never build this kind of suspense. They build a different form of suspense. When you're looking at, let's say, uh, Jason Voorhees, okay, and he hunts down some, some victim and you know it's going to happen, you wait for that scene and that's when you have, when you got your gorgasm, if you know what I'm talking about. That's the height of that movie in that moment when somebody finally dies. And you cheer for Jason, obviously, so... You know, that's one way to put it, or one way to do it. But in the zombie movies, in especially George's movies, um, that was never the case. There was no suspense in this regard that you knew that death was coming. Death was everywhere. It was, it was like, like the air that you breathe. It was just there. And you had to deal with this phenomenon, trying to figure out what to do next, how to survive, where to go, what to do from here. Uh, what can I do to to kill them? And even even the philosophy behind it. Why do they come back? Why can't they really just die? What's the force behind them, making them uh, want to walk again or even tear a piece of flesh out of you? These uh, questions were thankfully never answered, because if someone did, I think it would have taken the magic away of these these mythical movies. And. Um, from there, I mean, everything else is history. I think personally, still, Day of the Dead is by far the best zombie movie ever. Because, first of all, to, to bring you, I think, the most details and, and everything that makes more sense about the film, in a nutshell, is, first of all, it's based on George's own material and his universe. What he did was expanding on those rules, how the dead how they can live or exist anyway and function, then taking that apart in a scientific approach, which is by far brilliant, really. And I wish they could have done a bit more with it, but that's a different story. Anyway, I think in a, in a horror film, especially where the world is ending and everything just falls apart, the scientific investigation, people who are screaming for an explanation crying out for more research, they have to be put in place in there somewhere in this universe, otherwise the story would be nonsense. Because not everyone goes berserk and, and try to kill everyone else just to stay alive. Some people are trying to figure out a solution for this shit. So in the end, uh, in, in comparison to night where this phenomenon first started, then... Um, Dawn of the Dead, where we could actually witness the continuation of that problem, what 
people do during the crisis when the world is falling apart and society fails to acknowledge uh, the, the severe magnitude of, of the danger, which is a very realistic approach to what life could be like if, if the dead really would you know come back to life. And Day of the Dead is more... That's Day of the Dead is actually uh, the desperation of it all, being one of the last survivors, uh, trying to figure out if there's anything we, we still can do or if we just should run away and look for an island to live on, live our last days happily ever, ever after and, you know, just accept the fact that everyone is dead and nobody's coming back. I love the hopelessness of Day of the Dead. I love the atmosphere, the tension, the claustrophobic environment in that cave. It's it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's it's um it's one of these movies that kind of stuck with me even though they're swearing far too much and and they're just behaving like like children in the end. Um not everyone but but the soldiers were at least portrayed that way. And it does make a little sense if you think about it that all you have is your ego and your you're 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 crying internal innerly in, in inside yourself maybe crying for for help for maybe attention or for hope or a solution of some kind and all you do is joke around to at least you know get get some comic relief from the tragedy that happened in the world and that is exactly where that movie is working so well in my opinion where um just a handful of people are trying to pull themselves together to actually get the job done, to survive, and to find a solution, if there is one, which there isn't, while everyone else is just going berserk and losing their minds. And um, the coolest actor here, in my opinion, is, or was, um, a guy named, I think his name was Robert Liberty. Let me just look that up in case I, I, I talk bullshit. Yeah, I just looked. I just checked it up. Uh, I looked it up again. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I made a mistake there. His name is not Robert. His name is Richard. Richard Liberty. He played Dr. Logan, the scientist who took the zombies apart and tried to uh, domesticate them, which is a funny approach, but it's pretty logical because there is no way out. Right? There's not enough ammunition in the world to kill everything. And even if you had a handful of mercenaries and you just send them out there trying to wipe the earth clean, that's impossible. So, you know, he, he saw opportunity. He was looking for a specimen that was able to be domesticated, to be trained like a child, and to make him his friend. Which is, uh, it, it's like... A modern version of Frankenstein's monster, which is, I've never seen anything like it. The idea behind it, the execution of that movie, and, and the way uh, Richard played this character, the completely, you know, he, it's, it's like he was playing two people at once. A crazy scientist who almost lost his mind, and the rational, scientific, calm, decent human being who was trying to convince Captain Rhodes to continue his research. And he wanted, you know, to gather more evidence that, uh, you know, his, his zombies, the, the undead, could actually be domesticated. That's the only chance for survival, which he is right. 
I'm having a beer here, in case you're wondering what it is that I'm drinking here. Right now, it's about, um, it's 9 p.m. in Germany right now. Um, there's no time for coffee. It's too late for that. I have to drink a beer or something like that just to, you know, put my legs up and call it a day. Even though nothing happened. Well, something else that is really outstandingly well done in this movie is actually the way the ca the way the cast was assembled. Um, I had some interesting interesting thoughts on these people, especially uh, the the female lead character Lori Cardile, is uh, who played Sarah, is a, a tremendous a tremendous casting choice in my opinion. She plays her role just beautifully, uh, especially all the emotional parts, uh, the um, the cool parts where she tries to be, you know, um, stronger than everyone else, even though it's a very thin ground that she's walking on, thin ice, with all these these you know with these goons losing their minds around her. It, the interesting part in in these movies about George Romero is they never go too far sexually, which is beautiful, because I sometimes hate it, I have to tell you. It's just, I don't mind seeing nudity, uh, nudity in, in, in horror films sometimes, but in this universe, it makes no sense. It, it doesn't, although, um, if the world goes to shit and people lose their minds, there is no working society, there's no authority anymore, no police no government, yeah, well, of course, some people, you know, go berserk, and they start abusing the society they, they used to live in, which is sad, but this can happen. I think it's, uh, unfortunately, a very animalistic approach to problems that um, you, you finally, as a, as a man, let's say, mostly men do this, women not so much, um, if they have the opportunity to be like animals, and relieve their urges through, let's say, plunder and rape, and all. let's say just rape, then this would definitely happen in larger numbers when the world goes to shit. When any kind of apocalypse really takes place, you can count on some of these individuals just being plain assholes, being just animals and not caring about a fucking thing anymore. That This shit happened in, during wartime, it happened during... Uh, national uh, emergencies, natural disasters, this kind of stuff, okay? We, we saw this kind of behavior taking place in Hurricane Katrina back in the day when New Orleans was pretty much underwater. Um, it took 24 hours, as far as I can remember, to, for some people to lose their minds and start, you know, uh, start plundering, destroying, raping, stealing, all that. It's, it's insane. It's really insane. It's sad to see stuff like that, but it's. Um, I do understand why people keep a gun under their pillows. It's really sometimes for the best. So, uh, when I compare this, these situations, these very crass and dramatic situations, to George Romero's movies, this topic never comes up. Even if it's just hinted on, like in Day of the Dead, when uh, Captain Rhodes. Uh, addresses Sarah in a very inappropriate manner when it comes to to sex. 
And uh, that's the only scene in the film uh, that is really, uh, that is just briefly touching that subject, but they never do anything with it. They don't show anything, which is, I think, I think on George's behalf, George Romero's behalf, it's a good thing that he never went that far with this kind of stuff because other movies have done that. All the the insults, the the the, the sexualizing, over-sexualizing certain victims in these movies or let's say in, in horror films in general or any thriller that you can you can think of or remember. And George was never too keen on this kind of stuff. He was more focused on the story, the story about the people, and not so much about these, this kind of gruesomeness. I mean, tearing people up and pulling their, their limbs off and their, their guts out and all that kind of stuff. Okay, that's fine. Because everyone is dead. This has to happen, right? But the sexual stuff, let's, let's take that uh, into, the, you know, into the dark rooms. Keep it silent. We don't talk about it. That, I think, is a very interesting aspect. And I do think that George was absolutely right in treating his movies and his stories exactly in that manner. Now, uh, like I said, Laurie Cardile was was, uh, tremendous in her role. Someone else I found really lovable and extremely charming was Terry Alexander, who played John. Um, Not so much the leading character like in Dawn of the Dead, because of you know this 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 theme that there must be or might be an Afro-American uh, actor and character in the stories, like in Night of the Living Dead, Dawn, uh, Land of the Dead was a bit different in that regard, um, and Day of the Dead. Uh, Terry Terry played a character who was more of a completely calm and common sense type of guy. He was more of the heart of the team and trying to pull everyone together on a, on a good way to not over-dramatize everything. Just keep your head down, play cool, you know. Um, don't do anything stupid or this captain is going to have you in chains or executed. Hmm. Always loved his presence, always loved the way he, he talked in this, I think, Jamaican, Jamaican accent. Beautifully done. Always had a blast when he was on. Uh, Joe Pilato, of course, as Rhodes, um, unforgettable performance. Um, I remember when he got torn apart, that scene was um, excruciating for him because on that day, they used pig entrails, pig guts, and then other organs um, with lots of blood or fake blood. I'm not quite sure what that was, but I do know for a fact that the guts were real and they were stored in a fridge or an ice box or something something like that. And someone from the staff forgot to turn it on. And it got just, you know, all the meat, all the, the all the guts, everything from these pigs was stuck in that box and was rotting away for two weeks straight without cooling. So you can imagine how they stank, right? So um they had to shoot, and when they discovered, oh shit, we can't use this stuff, it's, it's just rotting away, the smell is unbearable, we can't do anything. They had no time to get new organs, they had no time at all. I think money wouldn't be so much of an issue, but since, you know, time is short in making B-movies anyway, uh, George, I think, ins- insisted upon trying to shoot this anyway, because, you know, what else are you going to do? So... I think everyone 
from the staff and uh, the actors there, um, everyone got, even the cameramen, they had something in their nose, something they stuffed up there to seal, to, to protect them from that horrifying smell. And the only one who couldn't wear stuff like that, any kind of protection, uh, except a, a mask, uh, which didn't help at all, but at least a mask while preparing for that scene and being in makeup, you know, with the fake body parts and all that, was Joe Pilato. And because I met him at these conventions, I asked him if this was really true or if it's just a rumor. And he said, dude, you wouldn't believe how that shit smelled. It was terrible. And he described it to me in all sorts of ways. And um, I could feel his pain, you know. It was just really nasty shit. And uh, I think he was about to puke there uh, after the, the shot was in. And it's really remarkable that he could actually pull himself together to make that. But because he was lying on the floor with his uh, fake body, his, his body was in the ground, or at least, you know, fake stage in, in the ground. Uh, the rest of his body, his torso was like fake pro prosthetics. And the zombies, so to speak, they should, you know, just pull his legs and tear his body in, in half, you know, revealing rib cage, the lungs, the guts and everything. And it looks beautiful in that scene. Um, I know it sounds weird when I say that, but um, it is really beautifully done. It, from, a, a, from a point of view of practical effects, uh, this movie is gigantic in quality. It's really amazing, and no one else, no one else but the great Tom Savini did all the special effects, and I think this is one of the best things he've ever, he has ever created with his team. It's really remarkable. It looks, it, it's, it's uh, on par with the quality, I would say, with Walking Dead, even though uh, the facial zombie effects and the masks of the Walking Dead look a, a, a bit more, um, dare I say, professional, because of you know the exposed bones and jaws and teeth sometimes with torn, torn open flesh. They look, of course, partially um, a, a little better than what we see in Day of the Dead, but the overall quality of not only the masks, but the damage, uh, the guts and everything. Just, um, it is really, uh, it's something else. When I saw this movie the first time, I could feel my, my hair standing up. That's how good the effects are. Hmm. So if you can, watch this movie. <laughs> you might not like the storyline as much as I do, but, uh, well, you can't make everyone happy, I suppose. Uh, I do remember that there is a soldier there uh, with with the team uh, who is played by the, the the great Craig Nicotero, who is also the ex the executive producer of The Walking Dead and responsible for the um, FX team. He has his own company now, and he used to work with Tom Savini together, and he plays a small part in Day of the Dead, which is. Kind of cute because you barely recognize the guy, you know, with his with his beard and long hair today, but there is a resemblance with his with his picture there. So you can you can look him up. You can you know keep an eye open for his stuff. And he I think he dies somewhere in that film, like pretty much all, almost everyone else does. But um, everyone playing some kind of zombie in this movie, you know, all these these different characters. There's so many different uh, designs here of, 
of zombies in 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 a I think one is in a clown's costume. Uh, one was I think w- wearing a veil of some sort and like like f- coming from from wedding, and you know different shirts and and different different types of people at different phases of their lives when they died. So um, not just pouring out zombies there with a bunch of dirty clothes which make them look all the same, uh, something that I sometimes hate in The Walking Dead. But I think they have different reasons for doing that, especially with all that, the, 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 time, uh, the, the, the time jumps that you experience after over 10 years of Walking Dead. I mean, it's obvious that these zombies don't walk around with, with nice and shiny clothes anymore. When the rest of them is rotting away very slowly, decaying, I think, all that that pus, all that, all those substances uh, being soaked up by their clothing doesn't really help that much more. So that might be a different point of view, I guess, or a different consequential development in story time, uh, storytelling and timeline. But here, since you know they have dirty clothes, of course, but they're very stained with you know blood marks and all that, and and torn apart, maybe you know fabrics being torn. It, it, it looks a bit more genuine, I think, a bit more realistic in, in Day of the Dead. Um, well, like I said, the special effects are really uh, ex- extraordinarily well done with, uh, with puppeteering, partially, with uh, a great effect. In the beginning of the film, I remember the opening, when you see Dr. Tung, the infamous Dr. Tung, uh, who is no one else but a puppet, based on Tom Savini himself. Uh, you see him in the opening shot when, during daytime, the sun is shining and you see his face from that, uh, from that zombie uh, slightly in the shadows, from, at least from that perspective towards the sun. Uh, after a while, you can see that his face is torn apart, the jaw is missing, the tongue is hanging down its throat, and blood is dripping and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of interesting that, that these zombies bleed that much, right? Where does the blood come from? But um, that shot was brilliant because it looks like he was trying to be suicidal. Maybe he shot himself or he got shot in the face, at least, you know, story-wise anyway. But I remember reading in one of uh, Tom Savini's books that he made a very primitive form of his own his own face, his own torso, or at least upper torso, um, the head, the neck, the shoulders. And um, I think he took a real shotgun blast to the puppet to destroy the lower part of the face, to, look at, to make it look more real. Then he added more detail to that with the tongue and all that kind of stuff. So th- that's just showing you the, um, the amount of detail and the passion this guy has to make this kind of stuff look look real and make it come to life. So uh, if you can, if you watch this movie, look very closely at the first shot. It's not really a human being, it's a puppet really, but it's, it's beautifully done. Dr. Tung is just legendary. What else is there to say about the, the movie? Something very important that people kind of forget. Back in the day, the movie was criticized for being underwhelming in storytelling because a lot of people couldn't really 
understand why there would be a more intelligent zombie that can be domesticated and starts almost behaving like a human being. A lot of people didn't know what the point was of that. If, if that is not enough, people went like batshit crazy when Land of the Dead came out. They couldn't accept that some zombies like, you know, Big Daddy here, um, forgot the name of the actor, I'm sorry. I have to look that up. But it's not important right now. It's just the fact that there was a more, uh, more serious development in zombie intelligence, if that's what you want to call it. So when you think about it, that the phenomenon has been taking place in the entire world for so long, uh, some zombies continue to exist. Well, let's say, to make this more, to make it sound more correct, the majority of those zombies still exist. Still exist. They, they walk around, they kill whatever is left anyway, and if they have nothing else to do, what do they do? So they stand around in corners and just walk through woods or gardens or they sit down. They become tired and sleepy somehow and they, they become less active and effective while others observe their, their world and see it in completely different eyes than when they did when they were alive. And so is, for example, this Big Daddy character, which is more, more or less a, a direct... Um, enhancement and further progression of what Bob the zombie was supposed to be in Day of the Dead. It's a natural progr a progress. There's an, a natural development in, in this, this fake world, if you want to call it that. Just assuming that this would be real, what would zombies do, right? Will they, they, they should be, at least from, from my understanding, the way George was trying to... Um, put his thoughts into these, these, uh, these, these figures and stories, if they have nothing else to do, they will either be forced to develop themselves in some direction and become a bit more intelligent, or they just rot away in a very, very uh, slow pace and become nothing but, but garbage in the end. You know, So um, we, we, we haven't seen anything like that in, in, in Dawn of the Dead. Dawn was pretty, pretty clear that they were just capable of, of performing poor, uh, uh, poor skills of, of a tool set, like you know, beating and bashing something. If they were holding on to, to an object like a bar, uh, maybe, uh, maybe a hammer or a piece of wood or something like that. They were just capable of clobbering something, but not very well either. They were very clumsy. While in Day of the Dead, you see a little bit, uh, you see it from a different point of view, slightly at least, at least when you watch Dr. Logan trying to domesticate Bob. And Bob is the only zombie that is capable of actually listening and understanding some of the, 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 uh, the tasks and the stuff that he gets presented with. And that is, for me personally, I think one of the biggest scenes in, in the movie when Captain Rhodes and the others uh, experience or witness for the first time what Dr. Logan was talking about when he's introducing them to Bob's ability to react to, let's say, reading a book, listening to music, pressing buttons on that, that cassette player, right? Uh, or like loading a gun, an unloaded gun though, but still loading it and saluting back and stuff like that. And the idea that 
if someone would really die and then come back to life as a brainless creature, how high is the, the chance that you can remember portions of your past life? You know, how much of your brain is damaged and how much of the information can still be accessed? That's an interesting thought. And I think for a storyteller that is, who is trying to be more realistic with this kind of stuff, um, George did, I think, the best that he could with the information he had of his own universe, creating these rules and thinking outside the box of what makes a zombie interesting, what makes this phenomenon interesting. Not just pouring it out there like, you know, you have five individuals, all of them are fucking stupid and one dies after the other and that's the entire film. That's a waste of opportunity and that is one of the reasons why most zombie movies fail because they have nothing to deliver. They have no performance value. They have no good stories. They have bad special effects. Uh, some have really good special effects, but the story is still crap. Or they try too hard to be something that, that they're not. For example, the movie The Dead. Uh, I have this movie somewhere, I think. If I haven't sold it. I watched it once. It takes place somewhere in Africa. And the entire theme of that film is trying to be dead serious, and it doesn't work. It's, it's, a, it's a nice attempt at a, at a zombie movie to refreshing the material, I guess. But it, it doesn't work. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't feel like it. Uh, I don't like the film. I really don't. I do like other zombie movies. It's not like, it's not like they're all trash. You know, I have to be a little careful and realistic here because, first of all, George invented this, like overnight. It became a huge success, a huge phenomenon. And uh, Mr. Romero is the only person who was long enough alive to witness the birth of this universe, of this genre, witness how his genre got rebooted, uh, homaged, copied, further developed, put into trash, made video games of it, made TV series based on his material like Walking Dead, he could witness how this universe became so big and he's the creator of it. No one else. That is great. That's really cool. And he never deserved the credit that he was... Um, I think that the credit that he should have gotten, the, the recognition, for example... And uh, I think he was loved by fans a lot, also by the movie business for being this innovative filmmaker. But I think, eh, I'm not sure, but I think it's just an assumption on, on my part. I don't think that George was too happy with the entire development. I think he would have gotten uh, a bit happier in life if he had a bit more respect from um, all sides. Not just the fans. I mean, the fans respected him enough. I think that's okay. But um, the movie business is a tough business. And I think he should have gotten a bit more respect, a bit more um, more chances, more support, more fundings of all kind, just to, to keep this man busy, to keep creating stuff. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sad... Uh, thing that he never really got that kind of fame that he deserved 
he was in parts infamous for being the the, the zombie f- uh, father and the god of that of that universe and unfortunately nothing else but he's a good filmmaker you know he was a good filmmaker he did great movies um one of those films that i thought were pretty pretty well done was the bruiser or monkey shines i think that was also his movie right with that i'm not sure if i'm i'm correct with the title but it was about this monkey being hyper intelligent and um being like a helping hand for a, a, a neck down disabled person tremendously good film there are many interviews how this movie came to be with george if you're interested look it up it's quite funny actually well anyway um something else that was pretty well done is the first creep show film with stephen king and that was also shot by by george um a fantastic little fantasy movie a horror film horror fantasy movie if you will with a few short stories um that's something to look out for i think that is a very memorable film which shows his talent of in, in storytelling in creating funny universes that you just you can't really forget there are quite a few more of, of these um more i think martin was also a pretty cool, cool film back in the day when he tried to um to present a different approach to the vampire theme martin was was a great um filmatic experiment to put it at least in in some shape or form it wasn't very it wasn't that successful in the movie but it was very well done about some some pseudo psychopath who believed he was a vampire and it's a, a bit unclear i think if he re- he if he really was one or or if he was just you know just crazy oh yeah right the crazies a film that got rebooted a couple of years ago maybe a decade ago um th- that's also a movie that is unfortunately the reboot was much more successful while the original uh which is a great movie also with the great Li- uh, richard liberty in that movie um i've seen it only once i think but i have it on dvd somewhere um i think that also when these movies especially the remake of dawn of the dead for example was tremendously successful right we can all remember how that movie played out with the running zombies and that kind of stuff i personally hate running zombies it makes no sense but um i think george made it very clear when he said look um they they're dead they they don't know what they're doing they barely remember anything at all they don't know how to move they have to relearn everything they can't just fucking run without feeling any pain like like uh running a marathon you know that that's bullshit and he put it very he made it very clear it was perfectly understandable and i just don't understand why some filmmakers have to go overboard with this and say no they have to must be able to climb walls now or you know get stuck on the ceiling somehow jump uh, two or three meters into the air ah they're dead man just let them be dead and try to build something creative out of that and not go like uh i don't know michael jackson moonwalk on these guys i mean come on where's the what's the point 
And I think it, it kind of struck, um, it rubbed Romero the wrong way that the reboots got more fame and more success through uh, mainstream presentation and production instead uh, of what he tried to do with his movies. And uh, I also think, uh, when I remember correctly from one of the interviews, I think um, he got asked and invited to direct an episode as a guest director for The Walking Dead because um, Robert Kirkman was a huge George, or is a, a George Romero fan. He loved the original movies and he built this comic book universe based on that stuff. So in case anyone thinks it's Robert Kirkman's own idea, uh, no, no one has their own idea. Everyone borrowed from George Romero. It's a fact. So um, I think, as far as I rem remember, I think even George answered that question once in an interview. He felt like it was too much of everything in the zombie world, too much at, at once. And Walking Dead, even though it was good, he said it's not his thing, it's not his baby. Uh, he has no relationship with with anyone from from the movie, and it didn't it didn't feel like being the right thing to do to direct one of the episodes. I think probably to say this gently, I think his ego was probably standing in the way. I personally believe he should have done that episode. He just why not? I mean, of course, his pride was hurt. I mean, he's not only the inventor for all of this stuff. But um, it's like everyone else made a ton of money with uh, ideas like this. With, uh, for example, The Walking Dead and the reboots, other zombie movies like pseudo zombie movies like uh, this 28 Days Later or 28 Weeks Later, some kind of bullshit like that. With that uh, virus being you know, contracted over the eyes or something and just, I hated that movie. I really, I really did. It has nothing to do with 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 zombies, and I think they were even clear about that. That it wasn't supposed to be declared a zombie film. It was supposed to be something else, but there were similarities to their behavior. So, uh, you know, stuff like that. Then you had, of course, um, the the infamous or too famous for their own good Resident Evil franchise, which is also something I fucking hate. The first movie was okay. It was an action film. It was not a horror film. But all the other parts afterwards, oh, Jesus Christ. The sequels were just, just as bad as some of these games. I mean, the original games were fantastic. But, I mean, why would you even make all these films? Because some douchebag pays money to watch this shit, right? I mean... They're fun movies, right? They're, they're popcorn movies. Nothing to be taken serious. They're just a time waster for like 90 minutes and you had your fun with a little bit of crazy zombie CGI and other mutants and stuff like that. But um, yeah, they were successful. They, had, they made a ton of money for pretty much anybody involved. And I can understand that Romero's sitting there in the corner and thinking to himself, what the fuck do these people actually want? You know, I'm doing, some, I'm doing art and these guys are watching this trash. That's, uh, that's probably even the only correct way to say this. It's trash. It really is. It's fun trash. Yeah, sure, I get that. It's popcorn trash. But it's not a good movie. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But that's just my opinion.
Uh, I have to get myself another beer. I'll be right back. Ah, I'm back. Oh, isn't the pause button a great thing? You can't see me. You don't know what I'm doing. I could be sitting here naked in front of the, in front of the microphone. No, I, I'm not doing that. It's too fucking cold here. Are you kidding me? I still have to fire up the fireplace, though. Got myself some wood I want to... I want to destroy tonight, listening to the crackling of the, the fire, the wood. Mm. Always enjoy that. Well, let's cut this podcast a bit short. Um, something else that I really enjoy about the movie, something that I wanted to address because it's really, really important to point this out, is the unique soundtrack of Day of the Dead. Because it's not really a traditional, typical, uh, bringing you to the edge of your seat kind of soundtrack. It's more of a different universe in and of itself, based on synthesizer sounds. And melodies accompanying the characters, accompanying the situation the drama, the suspense uh, partially, and the ambience in between. And um, it, it's it's something, it's very unique. When I heard the soundtrack for the first time, I was really surprised because it, it, it pulled me out of the movie directly and I was asking myself, why is this soundtrack so specific in comparison to, you know, it, it, at first glance, it didn't feel like it would fit. This was like a story about the end of the world, and this music was uh, different. It was a bit dark at times, but not not all the time. It's, it has many happy tunes in between that just uh, work quite bizarrely in, 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 in comparison to the story, or let's say accompanying the story, develop itself forward. And the sound is, it got stuck with me all the way through, I always enjoyed everything, and the guy responsible for the soundtrack is John Harrison, or let's say he's the music performer of of the of the soundtrack. And um, I think he did everything himself, as far as I know. One of my favorite parts of the soundtrack is the, that moment, the that that uh, synthesizer calm ambient sound that you hear just a, a tune being played on maybe two or three keys and let that just travel through uh, through the scene is where bob is um starting to learn and starting to understand the objects being presented to him and his interaction with that stuff is accompanied by the by this by the sound and um it feels like everything that, that john Harrison did is is just fitting for the movie and the setting in general. But when you hear it the first time, at least in my opinion, it kind of surprises you in such a way that you cannot understand why this is the, the horror film soundtrack and not just some, some other stage music or, or you know library music. But it after a while of listening to it, it becomes obvious how powerful his performance and the tracks really become to make this movie even more unique than it already is. So uh, my hat is off there too. The the fantastic uh, 
the, the fantastic production of this soundtrack. I'm sorry I'm getting a little tired now. Maybe it's because of the booze. Mm. Well, you can hardly call beer booze, right? It's not really... It's more like child's water. Mm. But it's a good tasty beer. It's a German beer, yeah, it is. It's, I think, even... Uh, what the fuck am I drinking here? It's a very fine, sweet, malty beer. Well, it's not really that sweet. It's actually black beer. Um, like the name suggests, it is quite dark. It has a very malty taste to it. But um, it's it's one of the best beers I've ever I've ever had in my life. I'm not a beer drinker. I am a whiskey fan through and through. I love sweet wine, but uh, sometimes if I drink beer, I like drinking this brand. It's called Kostritza. Um, I'm not sure if you can get it in, in America or Canada or wherever you are, but it, it might be exported to other countries. It is... It, it's not very strong in taste. It has 4.8% uh, of alcohol. Um, I think it's a very... Uh, I don't know how to, how to say this correctly. Like I said, I'm not really a beer drinker. I love the taste. This is the kind of stuff that I like to drink because it tastes like beer supposed to. It doesn't taste too bitter. It doesn't taste too too strong. It doesn't taste too sweet. Not it's not boring. It's not like these these typical German Pilz beers that I fucking hate. You know the the the, uh, the, the crap being sold at the Oktoberfest. Oh goddamn it! I've been there once, never again. Not my kind of thing. Gives me nightmares that place. But it's very famous, right? Everybody's been talking about it ever since. And now that we have this this COVID stuff going on, yeah, there is not really much of an Oktoberfest anytime soon. Maybe next year. Hmm. I'm not sure if anything is planned at all this year, but I would say no. Or maybe in a small fashion. That could be fair. Who knows? Well, anyway, um, final, final thoughts, final words on Day of the Dead. I know that the original script for Day of the Dead was way larger. It had a huge military operation, a more sophisticated uh, laboratory approach and scientific approach to what makes the zombies actually function, how they manage to stay alive, how they work. Um, it was a more ambitious uh, setting, that movie. And I wish they could have done that. I wish, and I hope that George Romero's wife is still able to make these movies happen or uh, other scripts that George was working on before he sadly passed. Um, she said a while ago that she is trying hard to get these movies made, to find someone who will take the material uh, and, and shoot it in a proper uh, respective fashion to George Romero's original style and at least that's how I understood it and I wouldn't want it any other way really I'd like to see more of these stories um, I think George even wrote a script about a scientist uh, 
looking for a solution to this zombie disease. And you see or witness the movie entirely from his perspective by, um, I think, even being bit by accident or injecting himself with this unknown virus, whatever it is. And you see his transformation, his diseased uh, stature of... of, of, of um, no, sorry, that, that sentence make no, makes no sense. You see him, or you're supposed to see him, witnessing his transformation, his suffering, the fever when it breaks out, when he slowly transforms into this dead thing, or the undead thing. That would have been a cool film. If it would be a very dramatic, uh, psychedelic even, oh, I would have loved that. I would have loved to see such a thing. Uh, this could be one of the best movies. You never know. Um, Day of the Dead, however, was, uh, you know, they had to make lots of sacrifices in terms of budget because, you know, money is always an issue, as usual. Money rules the world. And if, um, if he would have gotten all that support, all the fundings to make that gigantic film, that would have been one hell of a Day of the Dead movie. And I know that some fans, uh, some movie enthusiasts who try to remake the original Day of the Dead, I think I said it before, that it got, it got remade twice. That much I know. And it's going to be remade again in a comedy fashion TV show on whatever fucking channel that's going to run. I'm not going to watch that. I saw the trailer, I almost puked. That's not how you do this, kids. I want to see some respective material, not this bullshit. And furthermore, it has nothing to do with uh, George's original stuff. So, um, you know, just back the fuck off. Well, not even use the title, you, you fucking idiots. That's just insulting all the way through. God, I wish they would just pay more attention to these details, okay? To the legacy of this guy. More respect to the fans and to the source material. What the hell are they doing? But, well, I'm happy with the result of Day of the Dead, the way it is and how it turned out. It's, uh, like I said, without a doubt, one of, one of my favorite movies of all time and my absolute favorite zombie movie. It might also be your personal favorite. Who knows? Um, I'd be happy to talk to people about this kind of stuff, but unfortunately, nobody's been reaching out to me. <laughs> I live alone. I, I'm going to live and die alone in this basement. Nobody's going to talk to me. Hmm. You know, fine by me, that's okay. I can live by myself. That's perfectly fine. But if you are willing to talk to me about something, uh, we can have a nice conversation if you want. But you don't have to if you just want to listen to me, you know, babble about something. I could read you maybe a book about um, how to operate my vacuum cleaner or anything else in that regard. No, I don't want to do that. For sure not. If you can, if you are younger and listening to this, if you had made uh, experience with Walking Dead and you want to find out where all these ideas came from and what this stuff is based on, look at George Romero's work. He is, without a doubt, one of the, or was, one of the coolest guys, one of the most innovative filmmakers of our time and past times. It's a shame that we lost him, but he was, he, he actually reached a pretty high age. Um, 
he might have been more successful in life if uh, people would have treated him a bit better, I suppose. But I think he can be happy for what he, or could be happy for what he achieved, mostly. Um, he, as far as I understood the information I got from him or through his interviews and what people said about him working with him, he was a very down-to-earth, fun guy to be around, a gentle soul, and I wish more people could have been, or are, could be more like him, or similar people. I've never met him myself. I said that before. Fine. But I do trust my instincts on this, and I do believe he was a pretty decent guy. I have no reason to believe otherwise. And um, if you want to learn more, like I said, about this kind of stuff, and you want to watch original horror films, original ideas, this is one of them. Night of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead as well, even though the movie got torn apart by critics. Uh, it's a little unfair, to be, to be honest. They misunderstood what this movie is actually about and what it represents and what it connects or how the connection works between uh, you know, the other movies before that. Like I said, the zombie development. Uh, you have to look at it in at least that kind of way. The rest of the movie is still, in my opinion, pretty well done. I like seeing it. I think Simon Baker played a great role in that film. Um, so did everyone else. Um, Dennis Hopper, you know, made the references to uh, to George W. Bush in, in that in, in in these films um, because of his his state of power being some kind of you know gigantic rich jerk in Fiddler's Green. Mm. The movie is, I think it's a solid film. I'm not quite sure why they tore it apart that much. Mostly, the movie got criticized for being, an, in parts, even too violent, uh, which makes no sense, really. It's a zombie film, what do you expect? Um, it got criticized for this uh, this dubious zombie development of, of making Big Daddy the smart zombie. And, you know, it just... It wanted you to feel sympathy for these creatures, which personally already happened in Day of the Dead. And because that movie was underwhelming at the box office and not many people have seen it, even today, that's the reason why a lot of people didn't understand why George did what, did what he did in Land and misunderstood the whole thing and then criticized the movie for wrong reasons. Everything else is just fine with this film. We can argue that Diary of the Dead is also one of the better George Romero movies with a found footage uh, camera uh, perspective. Um, I do like the film. I think it's pretty well done. But, yeah, there is something missing, of course, right? I think maybe George was probably trying too hard to reinvent himself again in the same genre that he created. Maybe he just wanted to put his finger out there and showing that he was still the boss in the zombie universe. I don't know really why he did what he did in that film, but it's not a bad movie by any means. Diary of the Dead is better than Survival of the Dead. Survival of the Dead, ah, man, that's a movie where you gotta... Ah, it's, it's, it's not a bad film. The acting is not bad in this movie, but... I think he could have done something way better with the chances he had with uh, 
with the money he had and all that, because a lot of people were anxious to see what happened with that production back then, when it, when it, when it was announced that he was creating once again a zombie film. Uh, a lot of people had high expectations for that film. And it turned out to be some kind of tongue-in-cheek zombie movie that ties in briefly with Diary of the Dead, in, in continuation at least, which the other movies did not. Every movie was its own story, its own universe, and its own time and place in that universe. So uh, a lot of people were disappointed with that film. And I think Survival of the Dead was that movie that almost broke Romero's neck in the movie business because afterwards he wasn't really being taken seriously enough to continue making any kind of uh, zombie approach or any horror film for that matter. So that's that's unfortunate, really. Um, like I said, Survival of the Dead is not really a bad film per se. Uh, it's very entertaining, but, you know, we all expect it, I think, a bit more. I do like to see it once once in a while. I think I, I have it on Blu-ray somewhere. I had to buy it, I'm sorry. Mm. And there is so much that could be said about all of this stuff, about um, the influence that this man had in the movie business, but I think everyone knows that by now. And if you don't, like I said, if you want to learn something about this kind of stuff, look at the old films. I think his older films are just really gems in the horror film business. Night of Living Dead, uh, by far one of the most influential films of all time. Dawn of the Dead, very cool in execution, well done film. You have to, unfortunately, yeah, well, the bad part about Dawn of the Dead are the special effects in terms of makeup effects for the faces of the zombies and the skin color. That has been heavily criticized many times, but there's a reason why. Because lack of time, lack of money. Um, they looked more grayish in real life, according to Tom Savini, if I remember correctly. And then because of the, the uh, on celluloid, when it got captured on, on film, with the lighting and all that, it uh, the zombies didn't didn't look gray anymore. They looked bluish, and that's what ruined um, for many people the experience of watching this movie today, because it, they don't. Everyone expecting zombies, they expect them to look differently, of course, with you know torn faces and and really horrific accidents and all that kind of stuff, which is correct. I mean, I think anybody would assume that. Um, but back in the day, you know, not enough time. They just could uh, shoot in that shopping mall on, under specific circumstances during, for example, nighttime and all that kind of stuff, or very early in the morning before they opened up. So they had a very tight schedule. You know, they had to, everything had to be cleaned before uh, customers came in. You know, fake blood had to be removed, the set had to be removed. It's, it's, I think, the way they shot this film, it's actually a miracle that it got made, <laughs> that they actually went through with it. Um, Pittsburgh, man, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place where dreams come true. Well, anyway, um, if you can look past that, that the makeup effects look dated, you can at least uh, try to, to absorb the story and the atmosphere of that movie because Dawn of the Dead is also, uh, I think, one of the 
one of the better horror film stories of all of these stories out there, no matter what kind of film you're watching. It's, I think if, if you hate zombies completely, then forget the movie. It's not going to help very much to convince you otherwise. But if you have a soft spot for this kind of stuff, for apocalyptic stories, then George Romero's dead movies are made for you, I suppose. Well, that being said, I think I don't want to dwell too much on the other actors in, in the movie. I've, um, I've talked long enough. I have to do something else now with my time anyway. It's always fun to sit in front of this microphone. It's like therapy for me. I'm going to do this more often, I think. Well, hang in there, guys. I think we're very close that we can actually beat this uh, corona nonsense and get back to normal at some point in life anyway. Uh, keep watching good films. Enjoy horror movies if you can. Stay safe. Be kind to each other as always. And enjoy a good beer every now and then. Take care of yourselves and bye-bye. <laughs>